Hey, welcome back to Falling Out. This is Elgin Strait. How you doing? I'm back. Didn't take me long. I think I'm still on track in terms of the schedule for this season. Wish me luck. A few pieces of business before getting into this week's episode. First of all, the situation in Japan. There have been reports in the last couple days that the Korean Unification Church has recognized that they face a moment of crisis because of the events unfolding in Japan where the dark ties of the Unification Church to so many members of the Japanese parliament are being exposed. So the Korean church, the headquarters of the, the church in Korea, I should say, they they are, it sort of feels like they're kind of shaking in their boots right now, admitting that this is a this is a crisis that's unfolding in front of them. And I think the crisis that they face is an, is an opportunity for the rest of the world to try and bring those motherfuckers down. I don't quite know how to do it, though. So I need help crowdsourcing ideas. Basically, my theory is that, well, not, not it, it's the truth that Japan is the money center for the Unification Church. And if now the Japanese church is facing a moment of weakness, then now is the time to apply the maximum amount of pressure to try to make that crumble, which will then have knock-on effects. It will have a crippling effect on the rest of the unification church if the legs made of money can be knocked right out from underneath them by somehow eviscerating the Japanese Unification Church. And it seems like there's the political, some sort of political will in Japan to do that. But I think more can be done. But here's the thing. I don't know Japan. I'm not from there. I don't speak Japanese. I think there's more that can be done. And I want to offer the assistance of myself and all the listeners of this show to help apply that pressure to the Japanese Unification Church, to make it crumble. Again, I don't know how to do that. I don't know where the pressure points are exactly, but my sense is right now max leverage is in Japan, and we should seize that opportunity. So this is my ask. If you're listening to this show and you have insight into Japan, maybe you're from Japan, maybe you have family in Japan, and you have ideas about what can be done to further expose the manipulation there and the ways to do it then i'm all all ears please contact me on twitter at falling out pod instagram at falling out pod via my website info at falling out pod also as an adjunct to that if anyone is out there that speaks japanese and could offer translation services that would be greatly appreciated i don't know exactly when or where or how i have some ideas but Having reliable translation services would be amazing. I'm willing to even pay some money for that out of the um, the Patreon money that's been coming into the show. I feel like it would be good to just get that translation resource lined up quickly. So please, anyone out there, contact me. Let's see what we can do and let's see if we can apply pressure at the weakest point in the chain. So that book ends that. Now let's talk about few other points of admin before getting to the interview. After releasing the last episode, sorry, two episodes ago now, looking at the speeches by Sun Myung Moon in uh, Yankee Stadium and later on in Washington, D.C., got an email from someone. I'm going to leave the name out, but this person was there and they were a Mooney at the time and they wrote me the following. Hi, Elgin. I was in the Mooniverse from 1975 to 1977, and I wore one of the white jumpsuits in NYC and attended the Yankee Stadium event in 1976. There were not 40,000 flesh-and-blood people at the event. The UC might have been counting many ancestors of the few thousand attendees. This is a common occurrence, not something that we've dug into in great deal, I don't think, on this show, but this is really interesting to hear this firsthand account of them multiplying a few thousand people into tens of thousands of people by saying, oh, their ancestors in the spirit world were there. This is what they do. They've done it in many, many, many cases. The email goes on. It was a long time ago, but as I recall, we were told that we needed to bring some large number of people to Yankee Stadium. Perhaps the goal was 40,000. If we failed, 
then Sun Myung Moon's mission would be a failure and the world would be plunged into another 1,000 years or more of darkness. After the event, we were sent out to remove all the posters we had put up in the preceding weeks. There was weeping and glum faces because we believed we had failed. I'm really glad that this person wrote in because I think this really highlights the manipulation that this cult employs to make people have this constant feeling of inadequacy. The letter goes on. The next morning, we were bussed up to East Garden. That's That was one of Reverend Moon's like mansions, basically compounds. We were bussed up to East Garden to hear Sun Moon Moon's declaration of failure and doom. But he asked something like, are you ready to march on Washington? Referring to a public talk he was to give there later in the year at the Washington Monument, to which we dutifully shouted, yes. He then said that because of our positive response, the Yankee Stadium event was victorious. But then bringing even more people to the Washington Monument event was even more critical than Yankee Stadium. That dynamic there unfolded countless times in countless circumstances throughout the Unification Church, and I'm sure in many other manipulative cults. This dynamic of, oh, we need to do this. You need to bring this number to to achieve X. Oh, you haven't done it? Okay, you're a terrible person. You're a failure. The, the world is going to implode because you didn't do what we require of you. Oh, but then actually, wait, no. We can accept the offering that you've given to us, even though it didn't meet our requirements, as long as you agree to work even harder for the next ask. And then guess what? The next ask rolls around. It's an impossible goal to achieve. And the cycle repeats itself at that point. This went on for decades for our parents and for many of us kids within this organization. I'm so glad to see this in writing because this really encapsulates this incredibly toxic dynamic that we are all victims of. This letter goes on. During this talk, he, as in Sun Moon, also berated Mr. Kamiyama, who that was Moon's right-hand man, for crying and being faithless during the rainstorm. At the end of Sun Moon's long-winded remarks, Kamiyama took the mic and made excuses for himself in ways that I thought contradicted Sun Moon. Perhaps something was lost in translation, but this was the beginning of the end for me. I believed in the hierarchy, and when breaks in the hierarchy occurred, there was no reason to be part of it. Sun Moon actually gave me permission to leave, but not individually. This I thought was kind of surprising. I was working in the New Yorker Hotel staff and would often listen to him talk to various groups. In one of these talks, he said, if you are not happy in the UC, you should leave. I practically sprinted to the door. That I also think is quite interesting, and it's actually quite clever and manipulative. Even though it kind of surprised me actually reading it again, it's quite manipulative because this is Moon basically going on record, and he's he's trying to um, he's trying to inoculate himself against people saying that he he employs high pressure tactics because he can say, "Oh, look, I told people they're free to go whenever they want." But when he's using that to defend himself, he's conveniently not mentioning all of the other psychological pressure that he's putting on people, including things like the stuff that was just referenced, like the world would be plunged into another. 10,000 years or more of darkness. So this is this is the threat that that moon is that moon moon has above your head. Hey, you can go if you're not happy here, but you should know that the world is going to be plunged into another 100 another 1000 years of darkness and it's going to be your fault. And by the way, your ancestors in the spirit world are going to really hold that against you. So that's what you're not hearing when you hear shit like, "Oh, you're free to go." The letter goes on. After the UC, I spent most of the last 45 years in academia as a student researcher and professor in engineering and physical sciences. Even in that environment, I found people who became overly attached to pet ideas and favored theories, which reminded me of the UC. It seems to be part of the human experience. Another way that the documentary about Yankee Stadium was altered was in the audio of the cheering crowd reaction. There was a lot of booing. Many of the few thousand who came were protesters. I love that. I love that detail. So happy that I got this letter. I'm sorry for everything I did to aid the Mooniverse. I appreciate 
what you're doing to expose the lies and nonsense. I wish you well in your healing journey. I wish you well, my friend, whoever wrote this letter, you know who you are. Thank you very much. There's a ton of information there that's super helpful. So thank you. And I wish you well. Now let's get to the interview this week. This is a new one for me. This is with a first-generation Mooney, ex-Mooney, I should say. And this, in some ways, is almost the most heartbreaking of all of the interviews I've done personally for me because it gives a first-hand account of the manipulation of of someone who is young and idealistic and had nothing to do with this movement and then and then sucks them in. And there's a great tragedy, I feel, in listening to the way that that unfolded. And the tragedy continues when you hear the account of how the cult enforced separation upon this woman and her children. And to hear that firsthand, I think this is a new this is a new piece of the puzzle that hasn't been explored on this show. And I was just delighted to have this conversation with Teresa. I don't want to spoil it for you. I have to say this is pretty heavy. There's some pretty shocking stuff in here. Certainly forms of child abuse are in here, which probably won't surprise you if you've ever listened to this show before. But um, this was this was pretty, pretty heartbreaking stuff. But again, I'm delighted that Teresa took part in this. Teresa is awesome. And if you could see her face during this interview, you could see that she was, despite the heaviness, she was smiling throughout it and just had a wonderful spirit and aura about her that I that I really appreciated. So thank you, Teresa, for getting involved. This is part one in a week's time. I'll have part two for you. Here it is, part one with Teresa Tsukahara. Teresa, thank you so much for yep. being here. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you, Elgin, for having me. No problem, no problem. Um, and so, yeah, just by way of introduction for the audience, so Teresa contacted me after listening to some of the episodes about the group childcare facilities. And uh, Teresa is a former first-generation Unification Church member and has some direct experiences with those facilities. Some close calls with those facilities, I think, is probably a good way to good way to put it. And we're going to talk about those. Um, and that was sort of the, the first uh, okay. kind of reason we connected. But before then, I, I want to talk to you about your experience being brought into the church, because uh, okay. that's not something that we've really captured on these conversations before. So sure. we'd love to just kind of hear where you were in your life and how you ended up becoming a member of this sure. cult. Well, really briefly, sure. Um, I was a hippie. <laughs> hippie girl um as soon as I got out of high school I um you know it was in the 70s <laughs> I um was hitchhiking all around and then I met um a friend in another state and I came to visit her in San Francisco okay and then my sister who so I wasn't I didn't have a plan right I didn't have like what I'm going to do with my life my parents they loved us but they didn't give us much guidance there's five of us siblings, but my younger sister, who's really just about the same age, less than a year, she came to visit me while I was in San Francisco, but she was already signed up for UW, for the college. And Sorry, so, for UW, what's, 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 uh, University of Washington. Oh, okay. Seattle, okay, Washington. Got okay, got it. Okay. We lived in a really small town, a logging town, Aberdeen, Washington. Got it. Okay. And so then we met somebody from the church. And they invited us for an evening. What, can I ask so a we question? Were, was it yeah. was was it a man or a woman who you met? It was a man. Thought so. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's and the it, comp, that's the common profile. Yeah, common profile, absolutely. Yeah. And um, of course, you know, it was I don't know how much your listeners or you know about the church in California. Very different than mm -hmm. the East Coast. So it was like totally fit my whole thing that I had going on. You know they like love and peace and so we went to the dinner and then I don't know how they talked us and going to a weekend 
and my sister came too. So we went to a weekend workshop and it was like, you know, if you've ever seen any photos of Boonville, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like totally no mention of religion because I was not religious at all. No mention of anything, just love and peace. And we're creating this really awesome community. We're working together. We have a great farm in Boonville. So, so you, we had, you had no idea it had anything to do with the Moonies? None at all. And did you, did you have any conception of the Moonies in general? If someone said None. Moonies, would you know what no. that meant? None. Well, okay. actually, after I joined, I realized one day I was sitting on the couch in my house before I graduated from high school. And I remember seeing something about a mass wedding, but that was it. It, it totally got out of my mind. So yeah. no idea, no okay. idea at all. Okay. Just love and peace and working together. And then we went to Boone, Booneville to the yep. two-day workshop. Yeah. And just so people, just in case people don't know, Boonville was kind of like the epicenter of yes. the recruitment efforts for yeah. the Unification Church in yeah. California in the 70s, maybe the 60s as well. And one thing that people may not know either, but and may you may not know. So that whole sect of the church was because I realized it was kind of a sect of the church yeah. was ran by. Right. Mm-hmm. And she had her own agenda. Okay. Because she, I, from what I've been reading and stuff, she wanted to be the number one recruiter. So she, I think, de- deceived a lot of the, because she had her core followers, right? Yeah. And that's how they kind of did everything. So love bombing, you know, you're so special, you're so great. And then by the end of it, um, my sister and said, you know, I've had enough, I got to get back no, no, why don't you just stay for seven days? And she was getting really upset because like, no, I got to, I'm enrolled in the University of Washington and they, oh no, the bus can't come. That whole deceptive thing, right? Oh, the bus can't come, this and that. So finally we just insisted. So um we both went back down and she left and she was like really concerned for me because I was going to stay in the city with a friend. And then they kept contacting me and because I didn't have a purpose, right? So, hey, why not? I'll go back for seven days. And then that was it. You know, they just get you so ingrained. And then I think after seven days or 14 days, I can't remember. That's when they start introducing religion, (laughs) moon. And by that time, you're so in it. It doesn't take too long to brainwash somebody, right? Yeah. So what what are they doing before then? Before they they mention that, like, what are what's the sort of content? Oh, of the those days? creative community college. Oh, um, they started giving some lectures about just world peace and bringing all religions together. The lectures were very vague, nothing in depth of the divine principle at all. Okay. You know. And they were very, I won't go into too much detail because it's like, they're very good at what they did, right? And can I ask another question? Sure. Um, do, so you mentioned wanted to be the number one recruiter. Do you know what was behind that drive? Like, like were there particular incentives that she had? I think or? so. I'm not sure. And I can't really say for sure, but I'm sure it had to do with power and just being recognized and in some ways people within that church my own personal belief not saying it's right yeah they looked at her kind of as a messiah figure okay you know she like they lived and died for her that core california group interesting so anyway so i went so then i was hooked and of course my sister carol was very concerned you know for me because yeah. you know we both at towards the end like hey what's going on here anyway i was i was in i joined gave up everything um and just what three months later on a bus I, then i knew moon was involved but i didn't really know the depth of it right they still yeah. didn't they just see deceived you and then they send you away to california <laughs> i mean to new york so, so where were you, like, where were you mentally at the end of that two-week period? And, like, mentally and, like, indoctrination-wise. So, like, 
had they had they gotten to the point where like oh by the way Reverend Moon is the Messiah or had they had they still like not, not gotten quite there? yet they didn't quite get there after the two weeks but within that three months period that I stayed there yeah. worked there worked a farm you know it was big farm went okay. back from the farm to witnessing I was like okay I, I try to think about that and it's like where would the switch happen I think at that mm. time that's all you know you're only around those people. And you just kind of casually yeah. go along with it. And yeah. then more and more you're in depth in it. By the time of the three months, I was like, yeah, let me go out and save the world. That was my whole thing. We're going to save the world. We're going to unite everyone. And by that time, I was I was so fanatic. I, I'm like, I can't even recognize myself. <laughs> mm. So wait, so how old were you at this point? Just to just to 18, be clear. Wow. 18, 18 years old. Gosh, we're young. Wow. I was so young. Just a baby. And then my friend who I went to stay with in San Francisco, after they shipped me off to MFT, it's like, okay, we have you. We brainwashed you. Okay, off you go now to, you know, Um, she actually came. I don't know if she came looking for me, but she ended up joining the church. And I didn't even know it because, you know, in those days, no cell phones, no way to communicate. Right? I didn't even know it until years later. And she is still in the movement to this oh. day. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm sorry to hear that. Me too. I'm so sorry. I am. I feel so. Yeah, she's still in there. So I feel bad for that. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus. But your sister, none of your siblings joined. No, uh uh-uh. No, uh uh-uh. Thankfully. Okay. She must have been worried for you when you... She was so worried for me. And, you know, my parents were, you know, we were not a wealthy family. We weren't totally poor, you know, little below middle class, I would say. Okay. Parents worked really hard. And they, she was approached by parents by, um, deprogrammers but my mom always took the stance is no because i don't want to cut any ties so if she Mm. does decide to come back to us so that was her stance on it because i've asked them before why didn't you come get me out (laughs) Mm. i think it's a really tough yeah i mean very tough it's a a fair question but yeah you 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 really risk making things worse if you you, if you choose to do that yeah and she didn't want to do that so yeah and it's hard to i mean it's hard to know what the right what the right call is to be honest And and besides, they didn't have the money anyway, because that it was a cheap endeavor. Yeah. So yeah, so just going into it was like peace, love, save the world. Yeah, woohoo! And then <laughs> off I go to MFT. Wow, God, it's so that's just extraordinary to like just to convert someone. They completely changed they're, their life. They're in so that. good. Yeah, they're so good at it. In that, and what can you talk a little bit more about? Like what happened in those workshops? Like how oh. how, did, how did they how did they do that to you? Okay, so did you ever see the documentary um, "Ticket to Heaven"? Yes. So very similar to that. Okay. That's an older one, but when yep. we, me and my family, we've all watched that, and I yep. watched it with my kids, yep. and we were laughing and packing up. I'm like, yeah, basically that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So never alone, never someone's with you twenty four seven. Waking up to singing, you know that song that they sing, you know whatever that song is, like marching on heaven soldiers. Yeah, or, or no, no, oh, no, maybe like, wake maybe, up, wake yeah. up. Earlier in the indoctrination is probably less of a hardcore song. Yeah, no, no hardcore songs at all. Yeah. In in Boonville. All very light and happy and you're so special, but never leaving you alone. Someone with you at all times. So you don't, and then always doing exercises and that they would get in a big circle, you know, like in that movie and do the choo-choo pow, choo-choo pow. And that creates a certain energy, right? And I think that really gets you like, wow, this is, you know, that energy, you can't deny it's like really good energy. Yeah. At least that's what they want to portray. And you kind of fall into that, you know, so um, lectures, working on the farm, you know, doing, everyone has a job to do. Everyone has a task to do. Um, Sitting in circles together, sharing, you know, what, 
you know, what's missing in your life, you know, and, mm. and then um, my sister laughed to this day because my sister's gay. And it's so funny because she goes, well, the only reason I stayed for that weekend because she had to crush on this one woman. <laughs> <laughs> God, if only yeah. they knew. If, <laughs> if only they knew. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm like, yeah, go, go, go. And, um, you know, then, you know, whether we want to put this in the recording or not, but, you know, before I was sexually active and then, yeah. you know, I was attractive to somebody and, you know, I was a hippie, you know, yeah. <laughs> sex, love and peace. Yeah. And um, then I noticed, started noticing that. Wow. No one like. <laughs> yeah. That must have no been really so weird. It's like. That must have been really yeah. weird to go there so weird. and then be like, wait, no one's doing anything with each no. other here out it's of like all of these I, like young, young I know. People. Like, and there's, they were some beautiful people. I bet. Yeah, <laughs> like, I bet. Hey. yeah. <laughs> you know, so weird. But, and then I kept, I even asked about it, I think, and they said, oh, we, you know, we don't, you know, the whole purpose is just to live as brothers and sisters. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> But if you want to, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you know, then after you know a month being there, you realize, wow, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, because then they then they started giving the lectures after probably three weeks to a month, the more heavier lectures. Okay, you know, the so it's, a man. It's almost like the first three weeks are kind of like emotionally psychologically Definitely. like wearing psychologically, you down wearing for hitting hitting you with any real theology or any ideas it's almost 100%. like 100 percent. they're like creating a vacuum that they can then fill almost with uh with their their own ideology after breaking you down and they must be so good at it because here i wasn't religious at all a lot of people joined because they're that i have friends in the church or have left or whatever they were really seeking god yeah I wasn't, (laughs) you know, and so they so good at just pulling you in and then, oh, the Messiah, you know, he's a Messiah. And I'm like, like, I don't know. I just like, wow, what a privilege, what an honor. It's so interesting to think how they switch my mind Mm. to not being religious at all to becoming, I was so fanatic Elgin in the Mm. church. I was totally in like, 100% as though my husband's totally the opposite (laughs) you know yeah and I know I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I just I feel like this is well I just haven't really spoken to people on my show about this topic in in general Mm -hmm. and it's something that's really interesting to me and yeah just something that hasn't really been explored certainly I mean I'm sure other people have in other forums but not Mm. not in this forum and I think like just kind of just exposing that the, that those mechanisms i think is quite yeah. powerful and yeah very I'm just, powerful i'm glad we're, we're having this yeah. conversation yeah very powerful and then once they have you they have you you know and then yeah that only they only chose a few elite people to stay in in california everyone else were all shipped off to mft okay so interesting so it was i never really thought about this but with so was California sort of like the, like the, the top of the funnel where they would try to like recruit people and then just send them everywhere else, basically. That's where came in. That's what she wanted to do. She wanted to send as many people as she could to missions to make money because then she could get recognized. Wow. Okay. So they weren't real. So, so California wasn't really like a fundraising center. It was just, it was mm-hmm. a witnessing center and then mm-hmm. they'd get people in and then send them. Yeah. And people who ended up staying there, they would fundraise to support all their businesses that they had. Yeah. But basically it was they were shit busloads of people off. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. God. It's just so, it's just so calculated. And it is so calculated. See, that's what, so like, so a lot of my friends who have left the church, not a lot of them, but some still hold on, but it was good in the beginning. They, I think you need to hold on to that. But from what I've learned from your podcast, other people's podcasts, how well do you know the moon? 
Yeah. And my husband, because he knew all that bullshit from day one, because he yeah. was in the leadership position. Um, it was like, yeah, they just, they just, they get you there. Yeah. It, mm. it wasn't good from the beginning. Yeah. And this is I a mean, thing. And that's hard to hope. That's hard to admit. It's like, wow, I was really duped then. Mm. And, but it feels more free to me to admit that, mm. to say, yeah, I was duped. It was bad from the core. Because I think when you believe, well, it was really good in the beginning. I really did join a really good movement. It just became corrupted. That gives you some, you know, a little security there. Like mm. I wasn't that dumb, <laughs> you know? But yeah. And I'm, so this is a dynamic that I'm, I'm aware of just speaking with a lot mm. of people, this, like a lot of first generation members that I've spoken to who have left, they, they have that exact, that exact yep. conception. Like it was good up until yep. X. Yep point yep. in time yes. and like i when i joined it was good but then it got yep. corrupted because of exactly. x y and z yeah. like yeah that's a, that's like the classic mentality classic. And i'm really classic it's just it's nice to speak to someone who's like kind of like me and the other people who grew up in is like no yes. the whole thing is fucked the whole yeah. thing is from, fucked from, let's just from the day one yeah from, and, and from... <laughs> this is the thing they fucking tricked you teresa yes, they, tricked they did you. they do 100 and i was duped yeah. And, yeah. and like, yeah, I've heard when talking to some people in like the sort of um, just like the ex cult community that like, mm-hmm. some people have this misconception that or this, this conception that like, uh, you know, people who join cults are like, they, like, they're like, I don't know, they're like mentally, they're not with it, or yeah, they're, yeah. They, they were like, you know, suffered, suffered crazy abuse when yeah. they were kids, or there's something not that true. like, drove them into it but but it's not true not there, true. there's no and and not you can, there's there's loads of academic studies out there and they've they've tried to find yeah. any of those correlations they do not exist None. they do all. not exist at the, all the the one correlation they found is like is is they they attack people when they are in vulnerable places exactly in their life. yes yes see i didn't have any purpose i didn't have i wasn't signed up to go to college yeah i didn't know what i wanted to do with my life that was my vulnerable spot yeah and they exploited it. It doesn't mean I was dumb and ignorant and stupid. And I felt that for years. My biggest struggle in the church and before the church, but especially in the church, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. That's mm-hmm. why no matter, and I was a good fundraiser. I wasn't the best, but I was good. Mm-hmm. But I was never enough. I never did enough. I never, why did this happen? Because I'm not good enough because that's what the church makes you feel you're not enough yeah. and um that they that is done on purpose you know so even though it's supposed to be peace and love and everything it's not and like you said to admit the fact that i was gone from the day one it was all orchestrated to get us in there so we could go off and make money for moon himself mm. but that's hard that took me many years after leaving yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And a lot of people don't get there. A lot of people Uh-oh. don't get there. Yeah. And I understand that. I That's their process. And there's no judgment on that. It's just some people can't get there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. especially here in the Seattle area, there's a lot of you. Oh, yeah, it was good in the beginning. <laughs> mm. No, but it wasn't. <laughs> and I, yeah, I've also heard that like the culture on the different coasts sort of, yeah. mm-hmm. but there was, a, there was differences between them. Mm-hmm. Seattle mm-hmm. kind of sounds like it was a bit more. Yeah sort open of and, open a bit more friendly than the east yeah, coast and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. like maybe that sort of leads to more of those feelings of like well it was good yeah. at one point yeah um and oh, there's another mm-hmm. so i just that so the more conversations i have i have like this yeah the more the more i realize kind of like you just how calculated the whole thing yeah. was from the Very beginning calculated. and so like mm-hmm. this 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 idea of like California is where we find the fundraisers. Then we send the fundraisers elsewhere. Yep. That's not something that I was aware of before, but that points yep. to the calculated, calculated nature of the beast. Very and, calculated. Yep. And also it kind of reminds, reminds me of another sort of conclusion that I've come to, um, which is that I, I specifically, I, I believe that, that the moon very intentionally um, married Americans to Japanese people uh, in the mass weddings specifically to get Japanese workers to the U S so that, so that they could work in the sushi business. 
And that is borne out. I was actually speaking to another, another kid like me who grew up in the, grew up in, in DC on the East coast. Uh, mm-hmm. And this guy made, he made the point. He's like, look, we, there were all these like, like Asian and like, there are all these like Japanese and like half Japanese kids in, in the church. Um, that we saw like at workshops and stuff, but mm-hmm. there was like none of them in the DC area. Mm-hmm. Um, and why, mm-hmm. what, why, why was wow. that? And I, th- I thought about that and I was like, actually, you're right. All the, all the like half Japanese kids that I knew were kids that I, that I like met at workshops in the summers mm-hmm. and when I went to Korea and stuff like that. And then I realized, uh, DC, DC is where they sent all, all, all the, the couples that, that well, most of the couples, um, were either like Americans and, and, mm-hmm. Americans married to Koreans or mm-hmm, two mm-hmm. Americans married to each other, or maybe like mm-hmm, a Amer- an American mm-hmm, and a mm-hmm. European one. Yeah. Uh, and that was specifically, in my view, that was specifically because they wanted those people to work in the, the political machine. Yes. 100%. Yep. Um, and, yep, then the, right. and then all the Japanese people, the, 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 the couples that were like, had like one half Japanese, they ended up on the West coast where the yep, fishing the was, fish or they ended up in, yep. in like, like Massachusetts, like, like, yeah. or like, mm-hmm. like the, the top of the East coast, right? Like new England, where yep. the fishing was. So yep. that points to the fact, wow. the fact that, that there were none of those Japanese families in DC and they were all mm-hmm. in the fishing areas. Mm-hmm. To me, that really points to the cold calculated nature yes, of this cold, whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it like, I hadn't, I've never like really pieced all this yeah, together. That's I'm starting to piece to think it together. About that. Yeah. I think you're really right on about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I'm sure, I'm sure there's more layers to it as well. Oh yeah. It's just, this is a, this is a, I, I don't know exactly how I could prove it, but this mm-hmm. is, this is just a sort of a realization. That's, that I'm yeah. Having. Yeah. 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 Cause he um, always had an agenda. He always had a goal in mind. He was a, a dumb person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very smart, very calculated you know, this was always his end goal. Just pathetic. Makes you yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, his end goal was just power and money, basically. Yeah. yeah. And he was willing to do anything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So how, and then, okay, so that was like your early days in the church. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. how long did you spend on, on MFT? And- so MFT, I think, a period of about four and a half to five years. I was injured. I broke my leg at one point again, because I wasn't enough. I broke my femur bone actually, but I fell. I was fundraising in Arizona and it was like a hundred degree heat, right? Going house to house. And our captain made us these candle boxes out of wood candles in a hundred degree heat and i tripped over a hose in somebody's yard and landed on the cement on my knees and my knees were so swollen but again the whole mentality you're not enough you're not good enough if something like this happens it's your fault your fault you're not you're not pure enough so i so finally they took me to emergency room i had my knees drained for about three months, this is kind of off track, but again, the mm. whole mentality, yeah. this is towards the end of my MFT career. Um, so I, for three months, my leg hurt so friggin' bad. Oh my God. It was like, mm. I could barely walk. So I'd be like, okay, God, I'm going to run. And if I collapse then there's something physically wrong with me, if I don't collapse, you know, that's my fault. I'll do more for you, God, you know, Oh my God. Parents. And five, three months later, finally, we're in Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah fundraising, sit, staying at the church center. And I'm like, I, I just begged my Japanese captain. I'm like, look, I just got to go to the doctor. You know, I can't walk. Hmm. It's so painful. So finally, they relented. And I went to the doctor and then they couldn't find what would be what would be causing the pain, right? So I'm like, yes, it's my fault. <laughs> so oh. even though I did such a good job, I was such a good member, even to that, I still had that I'm not enough. Yeah. And so then I went home to the church center that day. I was crying. I was on the floor like, God, you know, what can I do to? And I was laying down and the um, leader came in and I jumped up 
and my femur bone broke in two. It was hairline fracture. They just didn't catch it. My femur bone broke in two. I let out the worst scream possible. <laughs> and then they called 911 and, you know. <laughs> oh my God. I was in traction. This is right before the matching. Oh. Right. Oh, wow. Like okay. Months before. And I, about three months before, I was in traction at the hospital for six weeks. And guess what? My parents came to see me and my siblings. They made them pay the bill. The hospital bill. Yes. No. The church would not even pay for These it. Fucking bastards. Fucking this idiot. Is what they do. Can you believe this it? Is so bad. I worked I, so hard. <laughs> I broke my bone. <laughs> this is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. And I like I've heard that story so many times. Like they just they they leave you there on your own. Like it's they they don't help you out. Like it's awful. God, that's really bad. Yeah. That's oh man. But then but but just how brainwashed I was. Like well, it's okay because, you know, we don't want to use the church money, you know, because it's going, you know, for this project, that project, better not the church pay my bill. I mean, that's how blinded I was at yeah. that time. I was so, so brainwashed. Oh, so brainwashed. Man. That's awful. Yeah. God. But after working for four to five years, so hard, making so much money, me and my friend who, um, Stella, who, lives in Seattle. We calculated about how much we probably made. I probably made oh. about over the my time period over a million bucks. In four years. Four to five years. In the 70s and 80s. Was this coming into the 80s at this point? Or Not, would that still have been in the 70s? It would be early 80s, yeah. Okay. One okay. So that is a so one million. So yeah. That's, we so, calculated. It could be less, a little bit less than that, but near there, a lot of money. Yeah, a lot seven days a week. I would stay up yeah. 24 hours sometimes fundraising in front of the I would I did a lot in the south. <laughs> so, <laughs> waffle <What>? house. <laughs> wow. Staying up all night in front of a waffle house. <laughs> and what were you selling? Whatever. I sold everything. I sold chocolate that was melted in the parking lot of a hundred degree heat candles little thing animals on a stick chewing gum <laughs> big wow all everything all stupid stuff <laughs> wow. and that's a, just such an extraordinary amount of money and it's that's mm-hmm. probably and i i felt bad elgin i felt bad one time i felt so bad because i was so tired i spent some money on a cup of coffee yeah and I felt guilty about it. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Never had a dime in my pocket after all that money. <laughs> wow. God, that's horrible. But anyway, yeah. So then that was before the matching. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, okay. And then you got matched and married, blessed. Was that in the Madison Square Garden? Yeah. One? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? That whole experience about the matching. Oh yeah, it was yeah. horrible for me. Horrible. <laughs> my husband knows. Well, see, my husband came to Japan, came to America young. That's all he ever wanted to do. I think he joined the church so he could come to America and get married to an American wife. <laughs> wow. I mean, he believed he... in one degree, but he never bought the whole. You know, did he, he did really... and he didn't. Okay, huh? so he really wanted to come to. Did, uh, there, there's two things there. He really wanted to come <laughs> to America. Yeah. Did he also really want to marry an American woman, or was yes. he just will? He was just willing no. to do that to get to America. No, no, he really. Oh, he really. Okay, oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, he's very unusual for Japanese man. Yeah. <laughs> he's not your typical. He really wanted to get out of that box. Of Interesting. Japan. Okay, that's he quite hated cool. The yeah. box. He, okay. But then he came to America, and he had to he go under the japanese leadership okay on mft also we you i know you've spoke a little bit about the korean and their japanese mm. but in on my world japanese were they were god okay. they could do they were so much closer to god than americans were 
because wow. I worked under the Japanese, Kamiyama, all the Japanese commanders. So in my world, you know, then Kamiyama was there. Okay, during the matching, I had a full cast on. Because of the injury to your leg? Yeah. Okay. Had a full size, all the way from covering my foot up to my hip. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Massive. And I was miserable. I couldn't shower. Nobody would help me. <laughs> And then, of course, all the but all the Japanese, you know, knew me basically because you know I did well enough, right? Um, and yeah, you gotta have a Japanese husband. I didn't give it that much thought, but I was never like inclined. I just thought, yeah, they're closer to God. So when they asked me to volunteer for that, I did. So they okay, so they gave you they they kind of said, who wants to be married yeah, to, a to a Japanese man? Yeah. Uh, stand up now. I, yeah. I assume that yeah. that's stand, how it yeah. works. Stand up yeah. now. You know the whole that you know the way the matching goes and yeah. And this was in the New Yorker Hotel, right? In in Manhattan. Yes, in the New York. Yep. Yeah. And I stood up and, and Moon said, I, "I hate to call him Father. You know, I yeah. hate. So you never know what to call him." But the Moon. Mm. <laughs> he said, "Oh, is she disabled?" And then Kamiyama was there and like, "No, no, no. She's a great member. She broke her leg." And I, mm. I, I, I was having to sit in a chair. I couldn't sit on the floor. Okay. And so I had to sit in a chair because, you know, my cast. So it was just a horrible experience. I think we were matched like the second or third day. You know, I can't even remember. Oh, so the matchings lasted multiple days? Yes. Wow. At that time, because there's so many people. I was just so miserable because it was hot. I couldn't, you know, I had the cast on my leg. Mm. And then I was matched. And, you know, anyway, I probably shouldn't even say this. But if you want to cut it out. But it was, yeah. it was such a bad experience for me. My dad did come there, believe it or not. Wow. And he Was did he come. in the room when you got matched? Or he no, came to the, no. to he the, just the came. ceremony? Oh, no, he didn't come to the matching. He came to the blessing. Okay. Yeah. Um, but during the matching, I was so... <laughs> I was so not attracted to my husband. Like, oh no. And again, I said to that, shit, what is wrong with me? You know, what why am I not attracted to him? Well, this is am yeah, I, this is a I big mean, thing. I mean, we we as second hello? generation. We went yeah. through that, we went through that crazy indoctrination crazy indoctrination of like you need to be willing to to marry anyone, even mm. if you're not attracted to them, even if you don't, you know, if, no. if, even if you hate them it's yeah. your job to make it work so we, 100% we we were very explicitly taught that I don't know if if you guys received oh, that yes. same level oh yeah. we were so taught that if you if you deny your match how can you do that you're the worst of the worst oh we probably even got it worse than you guys mm. not saying it wasn't bad for you but yeah I'm like it was like no you never say no yeah. You never say no. How can you say no to the Messiah? He knows what's best for you. Yeah. You know, how, how do you know? Oh, yeah. So after we got ma matched, we weren't together, you know, for quite a few years. How many years was it? Two years. Okay. And during that time, so we're supposed to do our 40 day ceremony. Yeah. Right? Wait, and what's and the then, wait, the 40? What's the 40 day ceremony? No, not 40 day, three day. The three, three day, okay, the three day ceremony is where yeah, you 40, have you, the yeah. first time you have sex yeah. and it's in a very prescribed Yes, oh way. yeah, so yeah. stupid. And I postponed it three times. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't do it. <laughs> like, how do I do it? <laughs> and at that point, it was like, hey, if you don't do it, I'm doing it myself. <laughs> People would talk to me. <laughs> Teresa, don't worry, you know, even though you don't feel attracted to them, you know, it's going to be okay. Wow. Oh, yeah. So the church leadership, that's what they do, right? They're encouraging yeah. you to, yeah. just to not listen to oh, your yeah. own. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. As a human, right? Coming out of the church, that's what you have to learn. I was like older. So you have to learn to begin to trust yourself. And what a journey that is. It's a glorious journey, actually. Mm. It's awesome learning how to trust yourself and you know that yeah because that because they're telling you to every fiber of bone deny everything you think in deep inside yourself i knew myself i knew 
hey, I can't go through with this. Yeah. But they, that is not allowed. Because Messiah knows better than you. Yeah. So we, it, then we did. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't live together. And he's actually a great guy. I tease him, you know, and he knows how, he knows, I, he, he knows, but <laughs> it's amazing that we're still together. Let me tell you yeah, that. So you guys are still together after <laughs> yeah, all right. this. Wow. <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> four absolutely beautiful, wonderful children oh. and four grandchildren. I oh, tell you amazing. that. Amazing. That is so amazing. It's like, and I always tell, and anyway, so not to go off track, but um, right. just, yeah going through that what a journey it was that we didn't live together until we got moved to texas um okay. and my husband we you know again so that you wanted to go a little bit in the fish business do you want yeah, to yeah i'd love to talk yeah, yeah yeah let's talk uh, about that now so yeah yeah talk about talk about okay. that yeah. so so i anyway eventually made it i won't go into all the details but eventually made it to california so first you want to get into nursery because actually i did put my first daughter in the nursery Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. 24 7. And then we'll segue into the fish. Okay, yeah, that's because my husband was a, he, he, so he was in the fish business and he um, did, had different roles and he translated for a whole bunch of higher up people. And, and because he had a green card, then he, Mm. his name was everywhere. He was the owner of all these restaurants, he was the owner of all the corporations, yet they worked him 24 7 and he barely had enough money to buy dinner for us. Had to go fundraise in order to have enough money to buy us food yeah even though he was the, technically the owner of these businesses he, they he would get like so much money paid and then he'd sign over the check to give the check back to the yeah church. were they so were they like were they kind of like paying him as like to get money i'm just trying to yep. figure out how that works like to get money Going out of out of the business yeah would they like pay him a dividend or something like that and then he yeah, would just sign that, like that sign that back yep. over yeah um, and over, maybe yeah. some of it's a wage and some of it's a dividend or yeah. something yeah. like that yeah. but so anyway so wow so then so this so then when i got pregnant with my first child emmy who's such a beautiful soul and we have things to work out you know because it's not easy when you're abandoned as a baby mm. they, you know because um the fish business had it all set up yeah. You know, after a hundred days, you know, we weren't even living together at this time. We weren't even allowed to live together. Even after I gave birth, after, finally we lived wow. together for a little while. And then. Yeah. Um, and this is in California. Yeah. This is yeah. This is in the Bay area. Okay. Yeah. In the, where the golden gate seafoods. Okay. So, oh, so it was called golden gate seafoods. It wasn't golden gate World. seafood. No, at that time. Okay. Golden Gate, what a corrupted place. Oh my God, that story hmm. I have for that. But he, um, so I had Emmy and then we we're living in this house with this other couple. And so they had it all set up, you know, it, it's like, you know, they pump it up so much. Again, I knew deep inside, this is really hard for me because it's, it's the hmm. absolute the most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life. It was so hard. And so here, this is to the degree that brainwashing destroys people's lives because I knew deep down inside, I can't do this. How can I give this precious three-month-old baby? And but So I said, okay, on one condition, wherever the nursery she goes to, because, you know, we were pressured from all that leadership. We were pressured so hard to do this. You have to do this. You know, basically, I felt we didn't have a choice. I should, probably should have been a strong enough person to say, absolutely, I'm not doing that. And that's my guilt that I carry to, to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, I have to live in the same town. So the nursery okay. was in L.A. Okay. So then 100 days old. Um, and the, um, cu- the lady who ran it, she was Korean. She was actually really, really nice. Her husband, I don't okay. think they're still in the church anymore. So I don't know if I can mention names, but okay. it was, um, I think it became, he became a politician in Nevada or something. And so I, oh, her okay. husband was, um, he was American. I, w- I worked under him doing minister work. 
okay. they gave me that job. You so know? you got a job in LA doing that. I'm doing working with the ministers, which was another funny story. So mm-hmm. I was in LA. So I go to the nursery. I was still breastfeeding. And um, there was just so, oh my God, it's hard mm-hmm. to talk about. I'm getting better at talking about it because uh, Emmy wouldn't take the bottle. Mm. And they literally only gave me um, like three days before mm. I had to leave her there. I mean, what purpose to work with ministers? Why couldn't I just continue live, having her with me all the yeah. time? Because Why do they need to do that? Whole freak. So yeah. he's such a fucking, fucking, you know, to do that to somebody, yeah. to put that expectation onto me. And so she wouldn't take the bottle. So here I was trying to give her the bottle and my breast is full of milk. And it was, I would, oh. it's, uh, it's just God. so, so much pain. So, so much pain. Finally, she took the bottle. I lived in an apartment with another sister, I think. Um, and um, so I, but I, and even though I, so much you know my experience is my experience in the church but that's one thing that's really hard for me to let go because it was Mm. the most painful thing I just but I said but then I felt so I said you know at least I have to live in the same city I'm going to go be able to see her because they didn't want you to go there and see your child I said I'm going to go see her whenever I can so they wanted you to stay in, in the Bay Area, I guess, with your husband? Or, or, then... Yeah, or just not, even if I was in the same city, they did. Because, oh, other mothers are far away. And I witnessed yeah. that at the nursery. So I said, no, I'm seeing her. So I went there whenever I could because mm. I had a pretty flexible schedule. Okay. I wasn't under any big thing. Yeah. And so the only car that they had for me to drive was a Celica. And it was a stick well I didn't drive a stick well I learned how to drive it in a day right (laughs) (laughs) my only vehicle to be able to go see her so when I sold flowers fundraise we would wrap them there at the nursery and but oh my god it's so just every time going and picking her up and having her take her back and they had these the women that were taking care of her were from like Philippines I think and they were just like they didn't want to be there and they oh. would say to me, oh, your baby cries so much. And it's like, oh, it's so, so, so painful, Elgin. It's just oh. so painful. But I saw some mothers come there and they would not see their child for only once every three months. And that child had nothing to do with them. Yeah. So those, probably, those least, kids probably didn't even recognize their parents. They didn't even recognize them. Yeah. I mean, and not just me personally, but how awful for him to create these 24-hour nurseries. How yeah. how incredibly, and knowing now that it wasn't for a big purpose, the only way I could have done it, because I thought it was for a bigger purpose. Yeah. You know, I thought that that's what I needed to do. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, it's sadistic. It's psychopathic. It is. It's, it's so, it's so bad. It's like, so anyway and i've talked to emmy about it and she knows you know every time i talk to her i cry it's the one thing that really you know i just feel i I know she probably has issues she needs to work on that she's not quite ready she has her four grandkids um other children don't have kids okay okay so she has four and she's such a great mom and Mm -hmm. um I yeah, she's such a beautiful soul. She really, she's a beautiful. She's thirty eight. I'm, I'm glad you guys can talk about it at least. Yeah, me at too. Least, that's really good. That's really yeah. good. She she knows, you know. I just always tell her that you know how really bad, how stupid I was. I just wish I would have listened to myself. Hmm. You know, but I didn't. But again, you know, that's where they get you, Elgin. It's like yeah. They it's convince like, you not to listen to yourself. That's kind of really once convince they, you. Once they do that, they can they do convince anything. you that you can't trust yourself. You have to trust the Messiah. Yeah. The Messiah knows best. Yeah. 
so yeah it was a very painful course yeah it was like very 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 painful (laughs) and how long was your daughter there for so luckily too long but not Mm. long as some other people because i think that's when the nurseries and that's what got when they were talking about the east coast nurseries and they had Mm. to shut them down i think around the same time that's when they shut this one down so she was about 18 months not 18 months yeah about 18 months so over a year okay she was there from three months to about 18 months. Three to 18. Okay. That's long enough. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, not having your mom there with you and the people that were taking care of her, you know, they were just being used too. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were probably, I, I bet if, if they were from the Philippines, I, I bet they were they were living in a church house and someone took their passport and yep. they had no they had no possibility of leaving. I would not doubt it. I would not doubt it. Yeah. That's yeah, I, I like I I that's a story I've heard before. I've I'm yep. pretty sure I've met some of those people along yeah. along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So anyway, that's yeah. So I did it. I, I was duped into it. And yeah. But, but fortunately, I was at least said I need to be in the same city and I'd go pick her up whenever I could. I couldn't keep her overnight with me. But, you know, how stupid. That's that's just so. So that's not so even for a single stupid. night in that whole that whole yeah. 15 months, you couldn't just yeah. keep her for a single night. Yeah. yeah. That's so. Isn't that <sighs> sick? It's there's no. Terrible. It's so beyond terrible. There's no good reason for that at all. No good reason. It was. Yeah, none. Oh, none. Like I said, some mothers went there and literally they wouldn't even be able to go there. They one sister was in cart, one woman, and she only got to go there once every three months for like mm. a half a day. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So okay, so it sounds like only only what so can just to dive into this a little more do you recall how like how many kids were in this facility and what the age range was every anywhere from mostly it was babies tell you she was babies to toddlers because during that time that's what that was the age of the kids people were just starting to have babies okay the oldest maybe there are a few toddlers maybe but there was at least 50 to 70 babies. Whoa. A lot. And one woman would take care of like four to five. But you're talking about babies. Yeah. They need you. Yeah. Babies need that wow. one-on-one attention. Wow. God, that's horrible. And so, so the Korean woman who ran the nursery, she knew the official thing was you're not supposed to go there but she let me come there whenever i wanted to we had an agreement no questions asked if i had an hour two hours i would drop by okay okay so i felt fortunate for that were you able to like be with your child just on your own with like the two of you in those times yep Mm -hmm. i would just take her to a room and just be with her okay okay do you know um so i've heard of um basically kids either being injured or dying in places like this uh just because of the conditions that you just outlined uh yeah. i'm just wondering if you know of any any incidents like that in this place i don't i think because the korean woman who ran it was so like good she made sure so i maybe something did happen i didn't yeah. hear it I didn't hear of anything really bad. And I think I was there enough. So I think everyone was fortunate enough for that. But it could have happened. I'm not saying it didn't. Yeah. Okay. But it did close down fast. So. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And then I guess when it closed down, did your your daughter then came to live with you? Yeah. So then when it closed down, then I came, picked her up and then I lived at her street for a little while just her and i in this tiny little room in berkeley okay and then finally then i got pregnant with my second child and that's another whole story let me tell you i got pregnant with my second child and then we they moved us into a house with 
five other couples. Whoa. And they were Japanese, mostly the women. And man, I did not like those women. <laughs> <laughs> Was that in Berkeley too? Or? Yeah. Okay. Hayward, Hayward. Okay. Which is next to Berkeley. Okay. But, um, and so we lived there and then um, my second child was born. And when she was about two months old, then we, my husband got transferred to Texas to open up all the sushi restaurants in that area. Wow. Okay. So, but that was a first, that was a good move because that was the first time we actually lived in an apartment on our own. We, I felt like literally Elgin, I still didn't know the guy. <laughs> like who are you <laughs> you know after all that time what was the deal so i'm kind of curious about the sushi restaurants i know like the, the sushi distribution business but yep. what how were the restaurants related related so, to that so they they it's all connected so they would with the Okay, astute listeners will maybe be yelling at me right now because they'll say, Elgin, you said two episodes ago that this episode was going to have information about Japan and the financial situation of Japanese members, blah, 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 blah. I did say that, and clearly I cut the episode right there to leave that for the next episode, and the reason I did that is because... I thought that statistic of 50 to 70 babies needed its own space to breathe. I want people to think about that. I want the world to know about the sheer quantity of suffering that this supposedly family-centric institution imposed upon people 50 to 70 babies in a single facility and there are multiple facilities throughout the U.S. and multiple facilities throughout the world. That's the reality. And I think I think someone should take some fucking accountability for that. I think someone should take some fucking accountability for that. Just going to leave that there. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.